the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Today we'll do a state of the stock market assessment in honor of the state of the union last night or something kind of along those lines or veins. Hmm. A lot going on. I watched the State of the Union address last night, and I don't know. I'm not going to get political, but screaming at the president, really? I was raised in a different time in a different era where Republicans or Democrats, whoever was president, you respected. And to hear a senator or a congressperson do it, just unacceptable. That's kind of where I think the state of our union is. It's kind of unacceptable that we're not working together or working better together or compromising. Give me the old Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan days where they'd go meet in an Irish bar and the right side would meet with the left side and get stuff done for America. So State of the Union feels anything but a union. It feels a little fractured. and That's going to hurt Wall Street a little bit, come up with a good strategy to move us forward. Stock slid yesterday as commodities surged the most since 2009. When commodities surge, it means inflation, the big I word. There's words that you're not allowed to say in this world. The N word is a no-no. The C word is a no-no. The I word in the world of markets and investing is a no-no. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was down 1.5%. The S&P 500 down 1.5%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.7%. 10-year treasury down 10 basis points to 172. So that's helping a little bit. The calamity, the anxiety, the frustration, the fear is pushing down the cost of money, helping mortgages become affordable, helping the cost of money become more affordable. I'm not going to say an active war by Saudi Arabia, but Biden all but begged the world last night to release as much oil as he could, and OPEC and Saudi Arabia said, nope, this morning. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for scratching our back there. But I get it with the focus on clean energy, Saudi Arabia is protecting Saudi Arabia. I get it. Target's up yesterday, 9.8% to 219 bucks. So in all the negative, there was a positive. And I think that positive has to do with kind of a discounter retail feeling kind of works in this kind of environment. For the record, I own shares of Target. With Russia's offensive in Ukraine not going as planned, its tactics could turn more brutal and discriminate. That's the big fear at this point in time. So back to that inflation word, the I, I got a little bit sidetracked. The most since 2009 on commodity prices. Now, here's the good news and the bad news. When gasoline prices, and I think they hit in most parts of California yesterday, $5 a gallon. As they go up, we're more likely to say, you know what? I was going to drive to Sacramento this weekend for a special romantic getaway. I know you're saying Sacramento romantic getaway. I see where the love is. 
there is no love. Um, maybe you go, I'm going to stay local. It starts to add up when you start picking up your kids from school and it's like $6 each way, $7 each way. You're like, oh. When you think about escaping for the weekend, driving versus flying. So what I'm trying to get at is some commodities kind of price themselves out of demand. I'll give you a really good example. I remember when filet cost $14.99. It's probably $20. Is it probably in that range? And it could probably be on sale for $12.99 a pound. But as I turned 30, it was like suddenly $19.99. As I turned 35, it was suddenly $24.99. Now you're seeing some fillets at $25, $30, $35 a pound. In some restaurants, I'm seeing some fillets go for as much as $50 for half a pound. So I go, chicken, please. And when chicken becomes too expensive, I'm like, well, I'm just going to stay at home and cook. And when that, like, it's, it's a bit of a problem. We tend to curb our excesses. So whether it's gasoline costs or food cost, we tend to downshift to other ideas if we can. And that's what sucks is when we can't, that's what hurts the most. A few of the sound bites from Biden last night, we should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It is to fund the police. Would like to throw down, push education for all, including the police. But that's not my speech, right? We must hold social media platforms accountable for the national experiment they're conducting on our children for profit. Completely agree that it scares me, both from a parenting standpoint and from a technology platform standpoint. Um, I'm not saying I'm a better parent than you. I do watch what my kids watch. And I do talk about things openly. Um, I don't let them go to their room for three hours on TikTok and disappear in TikTok land. Um, I was doing a drinking game last night, although I wasn't drinking. Uh, but nine mentioned the word folks and just four fellow Americans. And every time Biden says the word folks, I'm just like, oh, grandpa speaking. Well, you know, oh, you know, folks. It's like me showing my kids West Side Story to show them the, the fears of gang violence. I showed them the original 1950s version, 1960s version, to show them why they don't want to do drugs and alcohol and uh, premarital sex. I'm like, you don't want to end up like these guys. They're tough guys. <laughs> and if you ever watch it, it's the sweetest show ever of gang violence. But I am digressing. Apple stopped selling products in Russia. The tech giant joined a growing list of companies, including Hollywood Studios, energy giants like Exxon and Mobile. Um, I'm sorry, Exxon and Chevron, who are said, you know, we have, you have the oil in Russia, but we're the only ones who know how to take it out of the ground. So good luck. Goodbye. That's a big one for Exxon to step away from. Putting your money where your mouth is, that's a big one. So sanctions are taking on a variety of shapes and sizes. They differ from like golden clay. Some of them seem very important. Some of them don't seem as important. Not going to get into the Texas governor sued over transgender directive. That's a different show for a different station. TikTok, Meta, and YouTube have blocked accounts in Europe, making them inaccessible to users within the EU on Russian propaganda. Google, Microsoft, Twitter, and Facebook have restricted 
or altogether banned Russian government-backed media outlets from selling ads globally. Microsoft and Roku removed apps from their app stores, trying to block formally what's referred to as Russia Today. It's a media outlet. So cutting down on the propaganda is pretty interesting. Crypto yesterday surged. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are rallying as Russia gets slammed with economic sanctions and its currency. The ruble rapidly losing value. Ukrainians fleeing the country also may be contributing to the spike as they stash their savings under the global mattresses that is blockchain. As of last night, the price of Bitcoin had risen 18% in 48 hours. Talk about crazy inflation. Digital gold in those hills. 80% of the 150% of Russian troops stationed in Ukraine's borders have invaded the country. A lot of people are predicting it's going to be an ugly month or two month long slog. If that's the worst case scenario, it's the worst case scenario. If the best case is it's over this weekend, that's the best case. Where does it go? I don't know. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. There's a good website out there, Rob Black Show. I've posted an interview with Adam Phillips from EP Wealth at YouTube, Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thank you for listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. This is just one tool that I use to help you create wealth. My website, robblackshow.com, is loaded with useful resources like planning for retirement and how to choose a financial advisor, financial strategy videos with certified financial advisors, and much, much more. You can contact me and I will put you in touch with a certified financial planner. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I remember being five or six years old and my father, he was raised in a Catholic orphanage. He was never adopted. He kind of carried Catholicism into his adult life and into his children. And he had six children and I was the fifth and my sister was six. So we're the last in line. By the time we were born, some of the luster was wearing off his Catholicism. So he was probably 20 years adult at that point in time. So probably in his mid thirties. But I remember going to church on Ash Wednesday and going, what is going on here? As a six-year-old kid, I saw people with ashes painted on their foreheads. And it's an interesting holiday or it's an interesting day. Um, The ashes were prepared by burning palm branches from the previous Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, churches bless and hand out palm branches to attendees. Some church uh, histories are pretty interesting. Now, it, it technically says it's 46 days before Easter. It's a Christian holy day. It's preceded by Shrove Tuesday, which most people have never heard about. And it falls on the first day of Lent. Ash Wednesday is traditionally observed... Um, for a 24-hour period. We can date it all the way back to 1598. So it's a long history on prayer and fasting. I don't know. I bring it up because Mardi Gras in New Orleans is a story, and it used to be a business. And I even saw that today's National Pancake Day. I know you're saying National Pancake Day falls on Lent. That's heresy. It could very well be. But IHOP's running some specials right now on a free stack of pancakes if you want to stop and get them on your way to work. And when it hurt my feelings, I like, I love free. I love free. I love free. Now, with that being said, 
Um, I think the story there is we're kind of getting back to normal. New Orleans kind of looked like New Orleans. Congress last night kind of looked like Congress. They didn't have their masks on and they're, they're talking about the State of the Union. Getting free pancakes is getting free pancakes. Last year, they had to cancel free pancake day because of COVID. So there's one positive with all the negatives out there right now. Russia, Ukraine, um, elections coming up, high inflation, high interest rates going to start moving higher. But you got one good thing. We're reopening up. For better, for worse. Now, again, like Biden said last night, he's like, uh, vaccination still help and try to be smart. Good luck. Good night. Goodbye. And it was interesting because some of my friends in Canada were saying, like, do you think we're lifting this mask thing too soon? And they're on the side of yes. Whereas the United States is we can't wait to, to lift the mask thing. I don't know. I just do what I'm told on many, 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 many levels. Um, but that's neither here nor there. You know, I wanted to share something with you. And the stock stories out right now are interesting. Like, for instance, Salesforce.com, great quarter. The day before Target, great quarter. I would say that's telling me it's a stock picker's market. But it's also a market that's punishing high valuations for hyper growth, growth, growth in income, and it's rewarding income. Warren Buffett's a rock star this year. He's up 6 or 7%. Most markets are down 10%. Value is working. It's not like everything's failing. Stock picking is working in some cases. But then a pull down on valuations also like can't drink the punch for too long without getting drunk. Better take the punch away soon because people are going to have to start driving normally again. The last four years, we've had incredibly low monetary policy. And every time we've tried to move it above eh, 2.5%, it's, it's kind of met with failure. So the pandemic was like, okay, we're going down to zero again, guys. Send the submarine of low-cost money down to the bottom of the ocean. But we're now starting to rise. We're back up to almost 2%. And then we get up to 2%, and the Ukraine gets invaded by Russia, and we're back down to 1.7-ish, that ballpark. We can operate really well in that environment. Now, let's talk about some tips, because to me, the stories out there today, Ford plans to produce 2 million electric vehicles annually, generating 10% operating profit by 2026. Okay, so that's a good story if you're trying to find a, a fight against um, Tesla. It seems to me that could be a tough win. 10 years ago, and I was looking through some notes yesterday, I was writing down some investment notes on tips, hints, and tricks. And I'm going to propose to my bosses at EP Wealth. I'd like to kind of do a consumer-facing, let's educate people division inside your company. Because you got the corporate, let's handle people's money, let's invest people's money, let's do it with the best software, let's do it with the best financial planners. You are an A-plus corporation, but you're very institutional. Let's humanize you a little bit. So my pitch later today is to be like, what can I show them that would, would go a long way to help in the community and be a more of a community? And one of the things I saw was in my old notes was the simplest investment layout. You can write this down. This is a good second. And I'll, I'll even introduce this in three, two, one. So we can record this and put this in as a drop later. Um, in three, two, one. I'm Rob Black. And here's one of the greatest pieces of investment advice I've ever run across. It's all written down on an index card. Remember the index cards that you carried to at school? Number one was max out your 401k or equivalent employee contribution. If you want to get to retirement, that's a great first step. Max out your 401k or 403b. 
Number two, buy inexpensive, well-diversified mutual funds, such as Vanguard, Target, 20XX funds. I agree and I disagree with that one. I say instead of buy inexpensive, well-diversified mutual funds, I'd say index funds. And I like the Target funds, but I don't think they're perfect. I think they need to be, for instance, if you're starting investing at age 40, don't set your target as as, as 20 years from now. Set your target as 40 years from now because you're probably behind in saving. Of course, consult a broker advisor for taking action on the I mentioned on this show. Number three, on the index card of power, as I would say, um, never buy or sell an individual stock. The person on the other side of the table knows more than you do about this stuff. And I agree and I disagree with that one. I say buy individual stocks that you're comfortable with, names that were around when you were a child that you feel comfortable with, knowing that even stocks that you feel comfortable with, they can and too will get in trouble. Like for instance, Microsoft did in the late 90s. Like for instance, GE did in the mid 2000s. Companies that were once rock steady kind of lost their way. One in front of antitrust, one in front of trying to become too big and too leveraged. GE became problematic. If you'd asked me 25 years ago, uh, one of my favorite stocks, I would have said GE. And then they over leveraged and they bought things they shouldn't have bought. Pushing forward on the index card, save 20% of your money. Yes, if you can save it, do it. Start with 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%, build towards 20%. Number, uh, whatever on the index card is pay your credit card balance in full every month. Yes. Maximize tax advantage savings vehicles like Roths, SEPs, and 529 accounts. Yes. Pay attention to fees and actively manage funds. Anytime you're in a mutual fund and there's a cost over 1%, you should be questioning if you're better off in an index fund. So I agree with that. Make financial advisor commit to a fiduciary standard. I love that a CFP certified financial planner is a fiduciary standard. The company I work with, EP Wealth, are fiduciaries. And finally, uh, on the list of the index cards of how to get ahead financially is promote social insurance programs to help people when things go wrong. Going to set it better. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Exxon is going to leave Russia, leaving $4 billion in assets. This is getting fascinating, the ramifications of what we're learning about financial sanctions during this Ukraine-Russia moment, this conflict. Um, sanctions, it's kind of like the Supreme Court when we get one of those nominees that everyone doesn't love. And we're like, wait, wait, how many people are on the Supreme Court? Seven, five, nine, a nine? I like those moments in history where we're learning things. We're learning all about financial sanctions right now. It's pretty interesting stuff. The State of the Union. Let's talk about the State of the Union of the Stock Market with Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Hopefully that's not too cringy to introduce you as saying, can you do a State of the Market for us? How are you, Patrick? <laughs> Hi, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to be back with you. <laughs> now, I don't look at your page one column on Wednesdays because I know I'm going to talk to you and it's, it's one of my favorite days. I like talking strategy. Um, so now I'm going to open up your page one, and, and we're going to go through some of the notes. Um, what did you think of the State of the Union last night to start off? Uh, I think it was pretty much according to script. Um, okay. You know, the president, of course, needed to tough talk about uh, uh, talk tough about the whole uh, Russia-Ukraine situation, and I think he did that. Um, and then, of course, had to emphasize the objective of trying to get prices lower and, you know, paired that with the idea that, uh, you know, if you get more, um, more, more spending on infrastructure and whatnot, that that could possibly happen. But 
uh, I, I didn't think it was anything uh, that um, caught anyone by surprise. And I think it fell pretty much along the, uh, the political script that, uh, that the president um, you know, wanted to lay out. There was a lot of focus on Ukraine and Russia. There was a lot of focus on inflation. There was a lot of focus on the U.S. economy and COVID. Um, those are some of the issues that, like you said, were all pretty well known. So it's pretty well known that he was going to talk about them. Um, the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell's talking today. What are you expecting out of the Federal Reserve that the president didn't give, didn't give us, maybe? <laughs> um, you know, I think the Federal Reserve has... Um, you know, demonstrated that, you know, when things get a little dicey, uh, it, it gets more cautious. Uh, and uh, just before I came on here, um, Fed Chair Powell uh, testified to the House Financial Services Committee. He was answering a question and uh, his view that, you know, he would be inclined to support a 25 basis point rate hike at the March meeting. Uh, that also is in line with uh, with market expectations. And uh, the market has uh, has has shifted in terms of those expectations. You know, following the January CPI report, when it was shown that consumer inflation was up seven and a half percent year over year, the highest since 1982, uh, the Fed funds futures market you know, priced in almost 100 percent probability of a 50 basis point rate increase at the March meeting. Uh, looking at things yesterday, there was a small uh, probability that the Fed would do nothing at the March meeting, and that has been directly connected to what's, you know, what's happening uh, in the, with the Russia-Ukraine situation uh, and the idea that uh, that's going to create a, a whole lot more economic uncertainty that the Fed's going to need to be uh, accounting for and therefore, you know, might not take that aggressive step of, of raising by 50 basis points at the March meeting. But, um, you know, uh, I think that the Fed uh, knows that it, it has to regain some inflation-fighting credibility. Uh, and uh, to do nothing at March would just be um, flat-out laughable, really. Uh, and so uh, it's going to do something, do something more modest. And I think it's probably on a track of maybe thinking that it would move at every meeting, but it's going to just simply be watching the data in between every meeting to, to uh uh, lend some confidence to raising rates 25 basis points at every meeting this year. One of the things that I've been most fascinated with in the last three or four days is how sanctions work. And, you know, it's, I think my job is to educate myself on things that I don't know, financial speaking. Um, are you fascinated with how the whole Ukraine thing is playing out from a financial markets perspective? Commodities are surging. Will that help the Fed or not? Because will it curb our usage? Will the psychology there's a war going on. Maybe we need to all stay home and be cool. It's strange the emotions that Russia and Ukraine bring up across the board of the investing world for me. Um, OPEC saying, not OPEC, OPEC not helping today. And ExxonMobil saying, we're leaving Russia, like $4 billion worth to the tune. And I don't know, I find the financial implications of global headlines. Um, it's a story. And I, I see some movies being made out of all this stuff in the years to come. Right. Well, it certainly uh, stoked volatility across the capital markets. I mean, the moves we're seeing uh, in the Treasury market are, are insane. I mean, the two-year note yield was at 160, you know, three days ago. Uh, it was under 130 um, yesterday. You know, it's back at 145 today. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's a you know that's your risk-free rate, right? And it's trading like a growth stock, frankly. Um, and and I think it reflects really just that. Market participants, um, and I'm not going to say I'm 
necessarily any better than them at this point. You really don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, it's a guessing game from one day to the next, uh, which is why you've got such extreme volatility right now and such wide swings intraday in the major equity indices, in the treasury market, the commodity markets, you know. So, you know, crude oil futures, they, you know, they were up over 8% earlier today. Now they're up only 4.7%. Um, and, uh, but, you know, higher than wherever they were yesterday. Um, so it's just a really uh, uh, dicey period, and, and it's ripe with uncertainty here uh, because, you know, you have a nuclear power that's uh, attacked a country unprovoked uh, and a leader that some are questioning his mental state and a leader who isn't likely to just um, – say, oh, sorry, we'll go back now to Moscow, right? I think that uh, President Putin, you know, uh, needs to be able to get some sort of victory out of this. And I don't know what that end game is, but uh, but we're going to be dealing with it for a while here, I think. And obviously, the the impact on the Russian economy is going to be just severe. Uh, and, uh, and that alone could, you know, provoke uh, some more aggressive action on President Putin's story. I just don't know. But, um, but the market, you know, all things considered, the stock market seems to be hanging in okay uh, in light of that. Um, you're seeing a, a willingness to kind of step in and buy the weakness, but there's also not a lot of conviction because you also see that continued inclination to sell into strength uh, because there are so many different issues going on right now. It's it, you know, you have the inflation picture, you have the Fed picture, you have you know, the idea that earnings growth is likely to decelerate. Uh, just yesterday, we saw the Atlanta Fed GDP now model project no growth in the first quarter. And uh, and so now you are starting to hear the term stagflation really pick up as it relates to the outlook for 2022. And that just creates a really difficult invest, investing environment. Why does stagflation create a, a difficult environment, in your opinion? Well, you're going to have uh, companies, uh, you know, profit margins continue to be pressed by the uh, by these higher commodity prices. Uh, labor costs are still high uh, and, and increasing, and uh, and then you, you juxtapose that with little to no economic growth, and so uh, it, it raises questions really about you know where is the earnings bar. Going to be set, you know what? It, what is what is a truly credible earnings bar? And you know, I point out that uh, as good as the fourth quarter reports have been, and relative to expectations, I think we're looking for about 31% year-over-year growth in fourth quarter earnings. The first quarter earnings estimate has has come down throughout that Q4 reporting period. Uh, according to facts, that it's at 4.6% right now for first quarter earnings growth. It was north of uh, 6% when the period started, and I think that that's going to be the ongoing battle here as this year progresses is that analysts are going to have to be are going to be forced to curtail their earnings growth estimates. And, and uh, so when you don't have a lot of faith in the earnings uh, estimate trend uh, and where earnings growth is ultimately going to be, uh, it becomes more um, challenging to uh, to commit to a stock and to uh, express a willingness to pay a premium for stocks. With that said, um, it's some of the big headwinds that we're facing right now. We expected this situation at the start of the year. It's playing out a little differently than we thought. There's all the midterm elections. There's a lot of things out there to uh, provide headwinds. But one of the things I said on the 
start of the show today was that there's also Biden talked about COVID opening up the world again, and people are starting to travel. And we have a, a Pfizer pill in case you get diagnosed with COVID at the pharmacy, you can take the pill home for free. Um, do you think the reopening trade, Rock Scissors Paper, will beat the, the Russia Ukraine trade, or has the potential to beat that trade over the next 12, 18, 24 months? I'm giving you a long runway to talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things point out even today, Rob, is that I think it's a Wall Street Journal report that suggests that China is entertaining uh, moving away from a zero COVID policy. And that that's a really constructive thing if that happens, you know, because it could ultimately, um, you, know, uh, it, you know, help uh, mitigate some of the supply chain pressures that we've been seeing. Uh, it would presumably help and uh, improve travel activity internationally. Um, so that's, that's a positive. Um, but yeah, when we, you know, we're coming into this year, we thought we'd just be dealing with rising interest rates is really the main market driver uh, and the basis for, you know, multiple compression. That, that certainly played out uh, earlier in the year. But uh, as you point out, you know, Russia, Ukraine has kind of taken over here in the uh, uh, latter part of the first quarter as a major market driver because it's, it's forcing the market to rethink so many different things uh, as it relates to inflation, Fed policy, and earnings growth. And uh, and you're going to, I think what you're alluding to, though, is that there, there are some, you know, there are some silver linings out there, you know, that could translate into better uh, things for the economy as we get past this cloudy period here uh, of geopolitical tension. Um, but I think that also goes back to just sort of what I was feeling about this year in general, is that you're going to see a lot of chop, you know, because, uh, you are going to continue to deal with the whole interest rate situation throughout the year. Uh, and if you get this improving economic environment, uh, you're probably going to get a more aggressive Fed because the Fed's Thanks. way behind the curve in fighting inflation. Patrick, I'm out of time. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him as a reliable source of domestic international resources at Briefing.com. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com robblackshow.com I live in the Bay Area of California. I love living here. I think it's a slice of heaven if you find the right place to live at the right time. I think the access to museums and restaurants and oceans and mountains is pretty ideal. It's an expensive state to live in, but I still love it. One of the things I love about it is being in the center of the heart of technology. Last year, I lived in Silicon Valley, and for the first time in 15 years, I moved outside of the Silicon Valley. And I live in Marin now, which is a little, again, change of pace, getting older, wanting to see things a little differently in my drives. But it's not lost on me that tech, big tech is playing a big role in Ukraine. And let me give you some examples. A truck full of SpaceX Starlink terminals arrived in Ukraine. The Ukrainian official posted a photo of the shipment of terminals, which connect Starlink satellites to access high internet speeds. Elon Musk and Tesla, and I, I was studying Elon Musk yesterday, and he is a nut job. He's so pissed that Biden doesn't refer to him as an American EV player. And I'll, I'll say this, this is where Biden is blowing it. Uh, Tesla's a shining star in the world of America, in the world of our businesses, and 
Biden's hiding behind the, the pitiful, let's cater to the unions. And I get it. Unions are important, but let's not cater to them. Let's also say this company, Tesla, is pretty innovative. And the billions that Ford and GM are pumping into our economy, Tesla's already pumped hundreds of billions into our economy, creating thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs in a whole new industry that are allowing the boring old companies who are dying, GM and Ford, who've had to be bailed out, access to a new business model. Biden's messing that one up. In my opinion, just staying too, 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 how shall we say, too, too to the script. So I like seeing Elon Musk sitting in Spacelink terminals. I think that's kind of a cool thing. But let me give you a couple more examples of Apple said, okay, we're not going to sell any phones. We're not going to sell any apps. But we're also going to turn off all the media sponsored apps by Russia. Like Russia's got a Today show. It's called Russia Today. And they basically blocked information from going out on that app. And it's a way of saying, okay, Congress, we see that you're doing sanctions and we're doing what you're asking us to do. See, <laughs> maybe later this year, you're not going to call us antitrust because we're helping you. Google Pay and Apple Pay not working anymore in Russia due to, due to financial sanctions. It's not something I want to thought about. It's not something I would even care about. But I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Um, on top of it, both companies said they had to stay, disable traffic data because either Ukrainians or Russians were using traffic movements on Google Maps and Waze and you know Apple Maps as a way of seeing where the tanks are or they're not. I don't know if that's totally true, but it's a good story. And you're like, that's an interesting use of technology. Like when people started using Google Air, uh, not Google, but Apple uh, AirTags, um, you know, they're basically a tile that you could attach to your keys or to your watch or on your card. You could find your card in seconds if it goes next to any Bluetooth Apple enabled device. And there's billions of those devices. So tile, which basically requires someone else with a tile Bluetooth activation thing so that you pass by it, it goes beep, 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 beep. Um, but people looked at the air tags and they're like, oh, it's, it's being used incorrectly. People are stalking girlfriends. They're, they're attaching the tile to the back of cars. I and mean, Apple tags are doing the same thing. And Apple's come up with ways of rewriting their code to let the people who are being tracked in their car stalked know that they're being stalked. And like, there's just, it's crazy on the misuses of technology uh, that we see. But uh, so trying to use Google Maps to avoid troop movements and civilian movements is pretty fascinating. Some of Google's products are also being repurposed as tools of information from of warfare. So Ukrainians are getting on Russian apps. Um, think of them as restaurant review apps on bars and restaurants. And they're going, oh, um, this is a five-star bar. And by the way, Putin sucks. <laughs> like... And Russians are getting on Ukrainian apps and they're like, oh, this is a five-star restaurant. The steak's really good and you're all going to die. It's wild to see how technology is being abused and used because one of my favorite shows, Black Mirror, has kind of a dystopian view of technology. And here's a realistic dystopian play out. Who would have thought Google Maps and restaurant reviews could be used as, could be weaponized? Anyhow, there's not that many great stock stories out there today. Otherwise, I would have hit them, I promise. Um, it's just a market that's hyper-focused on Russia and Ukraine and short-term oil prices. 
I think by this time next year, we're going to be talking about a healthy economy of reopening or an unhealthy economy by reopening. I think we'll put the elections behind us. I think we'll put Russia and Ukraine behind us. Uh, we put other conflicts behind us. Hopefully we're putting COVID behind us. Um, but do you have a 12 to 18 month time horizon? Because no one can tell you what's going to happen in the next six months. If you listen to the headline news, a lot of people think Putin's willing to go nuclear. Would that be the end of the world? Nope. It's happened before. Is it a good thing? Nope. But you got to be prepared for a lot of volatility. So if your time horizon's not three, five, 10, 15, 20 years, you have a different approach than someone like me. Right now, the move on oil is the big story of the day. Wall Street wants to take a break from the defensive playbook and hold off on overloading in utilities, healthcare, and consumer staples. Those are all areas that will work very, very well. That if you get cancer in theory, you're still going to be going to the hospital, even with higher oil, even with war in Ukraine. Healthcare works, utilities. If you want electricity to watch your TV shows, if you want gas to power your home so that it's warm, you're going to pay those bills. So consumer staples like milk, bacon, eggs, grocery store items, soap, shampoo, those are the things you're going to use whatever happens in the Ukraine. Wall Street's trying to say, let's not, let's not go too far here. The momentum's in oil. That'll end badly. Will it end at 125? Will it end at 150? But oil tends to burn itself out. But we're not there yet. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can always find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I posted a great long-form interview with Adam Phillips, Director of EP Strategy, uh, Portfolio Strategy for EP Wealth. It's at YouTube. I need more hits on that. You can go to YouTube, search Rob Black Show, and punch in all those videos and help me out. Thank you. I'm Rob Black. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.